the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob Fretz. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. And we're underway on a Friday. It's the 25th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2022. It is the second day of the Russian invasion and war on the people of Ukraine and more big picture on the West. Because the West is going to be tested in response to this. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a lot to talk about today. The um, It's not irony. That's not the word. It's uh, the difficulty is what I'll call it of um, <clears throat> the... Um, battles going on right now is it's happening at the same time as CPAC. A lot of the individuals who are down at CPAC, which of course is the biggest conservative uh, gathering of the year, it's enormous, it's extraordinary for unifying the conservative message, developing platforms, talking to candidates, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and all of the conversations going on down there uh, in uh, uh, Orlando, where CPAC is going on, are, are being dwarfed by, obviously, the uh, situation in Eastern Europe. We are going to try to bridge those two things together. Shannon Burns of the um, ORP and the uh, Strongsville GOP, he's at CPAC, and he's going to be calling us sometime in this hour. We're uh, having a difficult time confirming what time we're going to hear from Shannon. 
but he's at CPAC, and we're going to talk to him about what they're doing down there, what the uh, discussions are, and uh, how much the situation with Russia's invasion of Ukraine have taken over the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC. So uh, we're going to try to get that from him, and then coming up in the 10 o'clock hour of the program, at 10.35 to be precise, we'll talk with Christina Hagan as we do almost every Friday, uh, and we'll get her thoughts on what's going on over there as well. There's so much to talk about and so many things to to um, to try to make sense of in terms of what was done to prevent this, obviously not enough. What is being done to end this, quite clearly not enough. Is there a clear and concise unified message coming from the White House, coming from the leader of this country? And the answer is no, not nearly enough. Not nearly enough messaging. In fact, we're getting rather uh, more more uh, uh, directly. We are getting confusing statements. We are getting contradictions rather than unified statements coming from uh, Joe Biden. His press conference yesterday was just all over the place, meandering, con- uh, contradictory messaging, uh, literally contradicting Kamala Harris, who said that the sanctions that we were going to impose were going to be. Uh, very, very uh, directed at deterring Putin from carrying out this invasion. And then Biden yesterday saying, oh, it was never going to deter him. We knew that. Well, then why did you have her out there on the world stage saying that? The contradictions, the weakness, the fecklessness shown by the Biden administration have almost guaranteed that this situation is going to be a lot, lot uh, more difficult, a lot longer, a lot more drawn out, and a lot more deadly uh, than probably it ever needed to be. So we're going to cover all of that this morning, and I'm going to welcome you to do so uh, by joining me at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Literally, everybody has an opinion on this now, and yours is as valid as the next person's. I want to hear yours. What should the American response be? Beyond what it, what it is now, and Biden announced some new sanctions on some of the financial institutions in Moscow and in Russia, uh, but they're not announcing sanctions on Russian oil. He will not sanction personally and individually Vladimir Putin. So the question is, is what is the goal of the White House in dealing with this? In dealing with a man, talking about Vladimir Putin, who has so much chutzpah and 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 i don't mean to say that in a in a flippant way but i mean it's just the 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 cojones on this guy to literally threaten the united states and he did so indirectly but very directly in my estimation he made that statement quote to anyone who would consider interfering from the outside if you do you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history All relevant decisions have been taken. I hope you hear me. Period. End quote. If you don't think those words were aimed at the United States of America, saying, mind your business, trying to intimidate and push around a weak, weak, weak old man like Joe Biden, then you're not paying attention. And why would Biden or uh, why would Putin rather not try to intimidate and bully and take the measure of Joe Biden? When Joe Biden has been so extraordinarily weak on the international stage already when it comes to China, when it comes to Iran, and of course with the disastrous turnover of the entire nation of Afghanistan to a terrorist organization, the Taliban. And in the process of turning it over, arming 
the Taliban with $85 billion of our weaponry and munitions and military, military transport vehicles. And leaving hundreds of American citizens and even more Afghan allies behind in the disastrous withdrawal that led to 13 dead American servicemen and women. Why wouldn't Putin uh, say, let's test and see what they do? I'm going to issue a direct threat. Try to interfere here, and you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. Of course he expects Joe Biden to back down. Because what other expectation would he have? Looking at Joe Biden's handling of these types of affairs already. There's just no two ways about it. Vladimir Putin has been emboldened. He has been um, essentially almost encouraged by the actions of Joe Biden and the newly weakened American military and foreign policy. That's right. Our military is weaker now than it has been in decades. Decades. For a variety of reasons. Not the least of which is funding, but for a variety of reasons. And Vladimir Putin knows it. That's why he feels so encouraged uh, and so uh, emboldened to directly threaten the United States and to tell us to stay in our lane and let him do his business. Because he really believes and knows that Joe Biden will do exactly that. So we're going to have to talk about that today. What do you want the U.S. response to be beyond what it already is? Are you happy with the way it is? Are you th- do you think it's too much? Do you think this is none of our business? Stay home. Don't worry about it until they invade the United States. Don't worry about it until they invade a NATO country. Remember, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, although that was something that was attempted not very long ago, much to Vladimir Putin's disagreement. But they're not a NATO country. Do we wait until they invade another country in Eastern Europe that is NATO NATO allied? Is that the goal here? Or you, do you still say, ah, it's still too far away. It's Europe, it's Europe, it's Eastern Europe. It's really, really far away. We don't have to worry about that. 7,000, 8,000 miles away, no, no big deal. Do we have to wait until they get to Western Europe? It's a legitimate question. I'm not giving you the answer. I'm just, this is what we are really asking right now. What should be the American policy with regard to sanctions, with regard to cutting off oil uh, and cutting off uh, natural gas pipelines that the Russians use to make so much money previously with the approval of the Biden administration. What do we do? I'm glad we've got uh, Shannon Burns coming up from CPAC to talk about what's going on there, but I'm also glad that we are not guest-heavy today until Christina Hagan then at 1035, because I want to get plenty of opinions and thoughts on this from you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Before we get started with that, let's... Go ahead and uh, rise, patriots. Stand and face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that's okay. Close your eyes and imagine one. Put your hand on your heart and join us in our pledge of allegiance to this great republic that we will continue to fight to save. If you are a leftist, if you are a believer in the same type of communist and social uh, socialist principles being expressed right now by mm, Vladimir Putin, well, we know who you are, we know who the apologists are, and we know that you would rather kneel next to your favorite ex quarter back anyway so for the rest of us i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice 
917, a quick break from the um, Ukraine situation that I want to share with you uh, tons of information on. Uh, this just crossed my screen. The next Supreme Court justice has been identified, at least the nominee, by Joe Biden. It's kind of interesting to do this right now in the middle of the war, in the middle of this uh, situation breaking and escalating in um in Ukraine, kind of strange time to release this. I wonder why that is. Is it because the war is going to take all of the uh, spotlight off of a potentially radical pick? I don't know, but it's awfully strange to release this on Friday morning in day two of the extraordinary assault on Ukraine and on the Ukrainian people and on the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, which, according to military experts, could fall this weekend. President Zelensky and his family could be captured or killed by this weekend. That's extraordinary. And now they're saying, by the way, here's our new Supreme Court justice pick. He picked Kentanji Brown Jackson. Kentanji Brown Jackson. Kentanji Brown Jackson, excuse me. And um, as promised, uh, decided to narrow down the field of qualified candidates to just those who are females and just those females who look the right way. That's it. That was, that was the qualification list. You couldn't be on my list unless you had the right chromosomes, or at least you identify as such. <laughs> Literally. And it depends on how light or dark you are. I'll judge the color of skin tone, and uh, if it's a little too light, nope, you don't fit the bill. If it's a little darker, okay, you're on the short list. It's crazy. But he did. She's 51. She has faced heightened scrutiny over, this is just a quick report, over a judicial record that includes high-profile rulings later overruled by the higher courts. Her record was a focal point last year during her confirmation for a seat on the Court of Appeals in D.C. She was one of three candidates who was interviewed personally by Biden. I wonder what that sounded like. Uh, Let's see. Ted Cruz, who is on the Judiciary Committee that will be responsible for this confirmation process, said that Biden's promise and his selection amounted to racial discrimination what the president said is that only african-american women are eligible for this slot that's 94 four percent of americans who are ineligible the way biden ought to do it is to say i'm just going to look at the for the best justice interview a lot of people and if he happens to nominate a justice who is an african-american woman that's great end quote but pick the best qualified person. So that is just a little bit of breaking news, kind of an odd time for it. I don't think there's a surprise about that. Bury it so that her record cannot be scrutinized because we're watching people bleeding on 24-7 coverage on all of the cable and network news channels. We're watching people bleeding in Ukraine, and we're watching the political fights that are, that are manifesting itself because of that. Nobody is going to be ta- paying attention to the Supreme Court justice pick this morning. So, well done, Joe. All right, it's 920. Quick time out. I want to get your thoughts on this. I got plenty of audio from Biden's press conference, and it's going to make you scratch your head uh, announcing what's going on with Ukraine. That's coming up next, AM 1420, The Answer. Helping you understand the commander in chief. We hold these truths to be self evident. All men and women created by the. Oh, you know the you know the thing. Always right with Bob France. True and international suffered pressure. On AM 1420, the answer. Oh, it's so painful. It's so painful to listen to him. 
Even some of the press report, uh, the uh, press pool yesterday, reporters in the press conference covering his uh, remarks about sanctions on Ukraine are starting to become tired of his dodging and of his weakness and asking, what are you waiting for? What are you going to do? And why aren't you taking Vladimir Putin on head on? Thank you, President Biden. If sanctions cannot stop President Putin, what penalty can? I didn't say sanctions couldn't stop him. You've been talking about the threat of these sanctions for several weeks now. Yes, but the threat of the sanctions and imposing the sanctions and seeing the effect of the sanctions are two different things. Okay, are two but- different things. And we're now going to, he's going to begin to see the effect of the sanctions. And what will that do? How will that change his mindset here, given he's because attacking Because it will so weaken speak- his country that he'll have to make a very, very difficult choice as to whether to continue to move toward being a second-rate power or, in fact, respond. You said in recent weeks that big nations cannot bluff when it comes to something like this. You recently said that the idea of personally sanctioning President Putin was on the table. Is that a step that you're prepared to take? And if not... It's not a bluff. It's on the table. Sanctioning President Putin? Yes. Why not sanction him today, sir? Mr. President? Why not sanction him today, sir? He refused to answer that question. It's on the table. He just invaded. Hundreds of people are already dead. Hundreds more are already injured. What do you mean it's on the table? Why not sanction him today? Why not go directly at the monster? Why not go directly to the source of this of this invasion? Go directly to the core here and sanction Putin, not just Russian financial interest. Why not? You said it's on the table. What are you waiting for? He wouldn't answer her. And the uh, uh, staffers ushered her away. No more questions from you. Let's go on to the next one. Fortunately, other reporters were just as uh, just as interested in an answer to that and similar questions. Given the full-scale invasion, given that you're not pursuing uh, disconnecting Russia from what's called SWIFT, the international banking system, or other sanctions at your disposal, respectfully, sir, what more are you waiting for? Specifically, with the sanctions we've imposed exceed SWIFT. The sanctions we imposed exceed anything that's ever been done. The sanctions we imposed have generated two-thirds of the world joining us. They are profound sanctions. Let's have a conversation in another month or so to see if they're working. Joe Biden is literally the only national or international figure that believes that. That the sanctions that he has imposed are, are harsher or stricter than swift. He is literally the only one who is saying that. Virtually everyone else said, how can he not impose the swift sanctions on Russia? It's astounding. It's astounding. He refuses to sanction him personally. He refuses to use the strongest banking sanctions that can be instituted, which are the swift uh, sanctions. And he's standing there and saying, let's just see how what I've done goes in another month. Why is he not hitting him with everything? Why must sanctions come in waves? Why must they be spread out over a period of time? Because as every day goes by, more and more Ukrainians are being killed. And that's not an exaggeration, literally. They're talking about, as, as of this morning, 137 dead, 316 injured. That was as of this morning. I don't know what the number is now. It's going to be updated as we go. And they're not just striking military targets. They're striking in uh, Ukrainian civilian areas. They're striking everywhere. They're, in, they're going into the capital. They're trying to take uh, 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 President uh, Zelensky. 
I mean, this is, this is impossible to suggest that, well, let's just see how this one goes. Let's see how these sanctions go before we move to SWIFT and personal sanctions on Putin. What are you waiting for, the reporters ask? He's got no answer for that. You know how desperate the situation is for the Ukrainians? Men aged 18 through 60 are forbidden from leaving. You understand that? If you're a male between the ages of 18 and 60 and you're caught trying to leave Ukraine... They are dragging people out of their cars or whatever transport that they are using and handing them a weapon and saying, get back in there and go fight. Fight for Ukraine. And I can't say that I blame them necessarily. I also can't blame the Ukrainians for wanting to survive rather than face the the Russian military might. But literally, 10,000 automatic rifles have been given to civilians in Kiev. Just in the capital city, 10,000 automatic rifles have been given. Do you, do, you, do you understand what that means? Literally, they are asking everybody who can fight to fight, or else they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be killed, all of them. And by the way, just, just, to, just to put this out there, the answer to the question, why do you need an AR-15? Why would you need a, a, a rifle with that, or a, or a gun, or a firearm with that many rounds? Why do you need those huge magazines? How many times have we heard that question from the gun control nuts in this country? How many times? The answer to the question of why we need whatever guns we want to have, with as much ammo as we want, is available to you on every news channel today. There's the answer to your question. Look at the news. Look at Ukraine. Look at the people. Look what they're giving them. And that is precisely why our Second Amendment exists, so that we can indeed defend ourselves against whatever threat may come our way, either foreign or domestic. Whether it's another government invading or it's our government turning on us, it's the only way this country became free when we turned our firearms on uh, the British forces, on the crown. It's the only way. And now it's the only way for the Ukrainian people to potentially, possibly, maybe, somehow ward off the worst of the attack and the invasion by Vladimir Putin and Russia. All right. Um, I apologize. Like I said, I've got a ton of people who want to talk. I see on hold. I'm coming right to you. But I do have have so much audio to share with you. Got to point out exactly where we are in the world of Biden. But I will take your calls right after this. We're still trying to reach Shannon Burns, too. I'll let you know about that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer so we're talking about the impact of russia's invasion on ukraine and what it can do to eastern europe what it can do what it can mean moving forward for the whole of europe but what about what it means to us here in the united states what about biden's foreign policy combined with his energy policy, crippling the American economy for the middle class. We've been coordinating with major oil-producing and consuming countries toward our common interest to secure global energy supplies. 
We are actively working with countries around the world to elevate collective release from the strategic petroleum reserves of major energy-consuming countries. He refuses to allow us to ramp up our own energy production. Well, we're going to ask everybody to tap into their strategic petroleum reserves and, uh, and, and use that to kind of ease the pain just a little bit here. We're going to release some more of our own, too, that we already have, but we won't drill for more. We won't ramp up refining. We won't continue and explore and expand our drilling and fracking operations for natural gas. We won't do what it takes to ramp up and maximize American energy production domestically. We're going to count on the rest of the world to do it. And the United States will release additional barrels of oil as conditions warrant. I know this is hard and that Americans are already hurting. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. Except allow our own pipelines to flow. This is why you hear, let's go, Brandon, everywhere you go. That's why they scream it to you or at you when you go to visit tornado damage sites. It's not just in football stadiums, hockey arenas, NASCAR events, and rodeos. You went to visit people in a hurricane zone, or not a hurricane, a tornado zone, and they greeted you with, let's go, Brandon. They were saying, blank you, Biden, because you brought this on. Did you know that we import 595,000 barrels of oil per day from Russia? Did you further know that the Keystone XL pipeline that Joe Biden killed the day he was inaugurated, literally after the inauguration ceremony, he went in and signed an order killing the Keystone XL pipeline. Did you know that would have produced 830,000 barrels per day? Relying on Russian oil is a choice we are making. It is not a necessity. We don't need it. We can do it domestically, and Joe Brandon won't allow it. You think about that the next time you see one of those little, I did that, Biden stickers next to the price on a, on, on a, on a pump at a fuel station near you. You think about that. That's why it's there. That's why the sticker is there, and that's, that's why it's accurate. He is doing this. And when gas, which is around 333 4350 depending on where you go now, becomes 440, 450, 460 or more, which it already is in California and other places. I want you to know exactly who's responsible for that. Uh, Sally is in Berea. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience, Sally. Go right ahead. Hi, Barb. I really think we should immediately ramp up our energy supply that we're able to do and then also immediately... Sanction Putin personally and the banking system, the SWIFT. Um, but we also need to protect ourselves from cyber attack because he's crazy enough to do that. And I've been harping for years that we need to harden our grid and increase um, our attention to cyber issues. You know, um, what you're saying, thank you for the call, Sally, is... Uh is so spot on, and nobody really is talking about that, and they should be. I was having a conversation with my wife about that. Literally, was it 
not last night. It was, I think it was Wednesday. We were watching uh, it's a movie or, or a documentary or, or a news story. I just can't remember. It all runs together now. But um, it was it was uh, about people um, in in earlier times. I want to say like 19th century America, and and they were working the fields and they were you know plowing and this and that and the other. And she said, "We're weak today." And I said, "What do you mean?" I'm paraphrasing this because I'm trying to. It runs together sometimes. But she said something about we're so weak today. I said, "What do you mean?" And then I looked up at the screen. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's true." And I said to her, "This is why you're so afraid of an EMP." Because she has. I mean, that's like of all of the things you know that we have to worry about and can be concerned about with invasions, with enemies, with nuclear weapons, and so on and so forth. My wife just thinks about the idea of an EMP, an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse bomb, which would essentially uh, kill all electronics systems, electronic and computer-operated systems, meaning uh, anything that relies on a computer, including your car, um, cars. Uh, electronics, I mean, everything, everything. Your, the electrical grid would go down. Um, you know, no machinery would essentially be able to function. You'd be on your own. You'd be on your own to move from point A to point B, to gather supplies, to, to plant and grow your own food, and to uh, find your own water sources, and, and so forth. I mean, an EMP, it's just the point being, if there is a cyber attack, the likes of which... Some are worried about. It's not the same as an EMP, but a cyber attack, which which would be Russian hackers, potentially Russian hackers, um, hacking into the U.S. servers and mainframes and shutting down the whole of our computer operations. We're not talking about cyber attacks like, hey, somebody got in and got my bank code. That's bad enough when you talk about identity theft. Somebody got in and shut. Somebody went in and shut down my banking system. I can't have access to my money now. That's bad. But I'm talking about far worse than that. I'm talking about shutting down our computer grids, shutting down our electrical grid, because they all are run on computers to some extent or another, and there's no amount of firewalls that are going to stop the world's best hackers from getting in and doing what they will. So the point that Sally just brought up is a good one. It's something that we discussed. What would happen if it was all shut down? How many of us today would know how to plant our own food, how to go hunt our own food, where to go to do those things, um, how to get from one place to another where our vehicle's not running. All of these kinds of things are things to think about when you were talking about a power as mighty as communist Russia. And, and moreover, when you combine power and strength and uh, 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 the materials necessary and you have the forces necessary with an evil that is driving the machine, and that evil is Vladimir Putin, um, then you better start thinking about all those things. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm not trying to say the whole world is coming to an end tomorrow, but you have to think about all of these things. There are so many different ways of waging war today beyond what they're doing in Ukraine, and a cyber war is, 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 is one of those things, and that could lead to extraordinary consequences here. Uh, let's go to TJ. TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob, I have to laugh with this EMP thing. Uh, us people in Cleveland don't have to worry about that because Cleveland Public Power does a good enough job of shutting down the grid regularly. But, uh, you know, getting back to Putin, uh, you know, somebody once said Russia was a gas station disguised as a country. Now, you want to stop Putin, you turn all our spigots on, and you flood the world market with oil. You drastically drive the price of oil down, 
and that drives up Putin's piggy bank. No money, no war. And another thing it would do would start to curb this runaway inflation. And the third thing I would do is take them 8,500 paratroopers on the Polish-Ukrainian border and send them to our southern border. You know, the solutions to this are simple, but this potato head, because he's run by the left, he's run by these crazy green weenies, he's never going to do it. Well, you're right about that. He is run by the global warming and climate alarmists. Thanks for the call, uh, TJ. Uh, and I, I don't know if I would turn on all of our spigots and just uh, you know flood the rest of the world with the you know world market with it, but we do have to make it. Um, we have to limit, if not cut out entirely, Biden's uh, energy revenue. Or Biden, excuse me. I keep saying Putin, or uh, saying Biden when I mean to say Putin. And I apologize for that. Maybe I'm conflating the two for reasons that are subconscious. I don't know. But we have to stop Putin from, uh, from, you know, continuing to gain the revenue. There's a reason why Nord Stream 2, uh, was sanctioned by Donald Trump. Nord Stream 2 was sanctioned by Donald Trump. Meaning, massive sanctions were put in place if Russia builds and tries to use, uh, Nord Stream 2 because it was going to flood Eastern, or excuse me, flood almost the whole of Europe, uh, with natural gas and with oil. And guess what? All of those revenues go to Vladimir Putin because it starts in Russia. So those sanctions were put in place to stop them. The minute Joe Biden got in, in addition to uh, uh, signing the uh, order that killed the Keystone XL pipeline here, it greenlit the natural gas Nord Stream 2 pipeline in Russia. And so billions of dollars flowing Russia's way because of their uh, production of the natural gas. And Biden, or I keep saying Biden, there it is again. Putin built that pipeline around Ukraine. Around Ukraine. And... Biden came in and, and immediately waived the sanctions. So suddenly the, the natural gas is flowing, the billions are going uh, Putin's way, now Putin invades Ukraine, and now Biden says after 13 months, oh, um, yeah, um, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna close that off again. We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, erase that waiver now. The sanctions are back on. We'll show you. I mean, how many billions of dollars have they already, or, or rubles, have they already, um, uh, collected because of that decision? The energy aspect of this is so enormous, and people don't understand it. We can cut off and choke off uh, Putin's revenue, and all we have to do is stop that Nord Stream 2 with massive sanctions, and I agree with turning on all of our spigots, but not necessarily to flood the rest of the world with, uh, with our energy, but just to make sure that we don't need a nickel of it from Russia or from OPEC. We don't need it from the Middle East or anywhere else. We have enough domestic energy here to last for hundreds of years. We don't need anyone else's if we just commit to using the, the uh, resources we have. But, of course, those resources are fossil fuels, and Biden won't allow it. Okay, uh, Ralph is calling us from North Canton next, AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Ralph. Go ahead, sir. Hi. Uh, in 2016, uh, Hillary campaign. It's the biggest contribution country was from Ukraine. Uh, her her big, biggest donations, you mean? Campaign donations? Correct. Also, uh, I did not know that. Ho- I, I did not know that, but that's very interesting um, because we're not supposed to be taking foreign money in in American in American uh, uh, elections. Uh, that's well, they're loud. I saw a graph that had you know Ukraine was the uh, top of it, and uh, you know it was out in the open. Okay, Somehow that's, in, that's interesting. That's interesting because that was one of the biggest things here is about foreign uh, foreign nations involving themselves in our elections, uh, unless it's American citizens working or serving in Ukraine who are donating or something like that. But well, this uh, went down. 
probably close to 20, with okay. Ukraine at the top of it. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. So and, what, uh, what else? Well, also, uh, you look at uh, Hunter. I mean, he paid his whole family, including, what do they call him, the big guy? Yeah, that's Joe. Big guy. Yeah. Isn't it quite a coincidence? Is Durham getting a little closer? Uh, well, you know what? I, I would like to think so. I've been very, very impatient, I must admit. And thank you for the call, Ralph. Very impatient, waiting for Durham to release his full report and, and, and make, you know, let all of the shoes drop, if you will. Um, because I want to start seeing indictments and I want to start seeing prosecutions of these individuals. Um, so far, what we got is the little teaser. The little teaser that says we have proof that the Hillary campaign spied on Trump's campaign in Trump Tower and spied on President Trump in the White House. Uh, they infiltrated the servers and, and so forth and tried to find a way to build a narrative, i.e. frame. That's what that means. Building a narrative means framing uh, Donald Trump saying that he is connected to the Russians and that the Russians were responsible for him winning the election. That's what they tried to do. So uh, we have that little teaser saying that Hillary's campaign paid uh, tech firms to do that, but that's all we have so far. So is Durham getting close? Maybe. I hope. Um, and, you know, and we'll find out. We're watching Hunter Biden very, very closely. But he is, uh, I think there's a spot that plays on our air that says he is absolutely leading the most charmed life uh, because so many things he's done should have put him in jail a long time ago. Okay, quick time out. More calls right after this. In a world gone mad. This is you need something different. This is always right with Bob France on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, nine fifty three. We continue on this Friday edition. We've got. Uh, we haven't been able to make our connection with Shannon, but we have you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. What should we do? That's the larger question. I would like you to answer when you call. At what point do we need to become interventionists in a situation like this? Um, I'll tell a story after the top of the hour. My daughter at Hillsdale um, is actually in a class right now, and she sent me a paper that she just turned in uh, about this very subject, not about Ukraine and Russia, but the question, uh, the the prompt of the essay that she had to write, a six-page essay, was uh, about the... um, the planned interventionism or isolationism of the founding fathers compared to our foreign policy today. Were our founding fathers more interested in us being a force for good and helping other nations when we were founded, or did they really believe we should have mind our own business and not intervene in other affairs, and then compare that to the foreign policy of today, uh, compare or contrast? She sent me the uh, paper. It was terrific. She got an A. But it launched a discussion that I had with her about this situation right now. And it's, okay, let's take a look at what you studied and what you learned about American intervention in foreign affairs versus American isolation or non-interventionism. Uh, and uh, and what do you think should be done here? And she and I have been having a really interesting conversation about that. And I'm going to share some of that. And I wanted to prompt and spur your answer to that question. What should we do? Do we just kind of mind our business right now, continue with some sanctions and sanction Putin a little bit more heavily and so forth and let it be? And if people in Ukraine die and if Kiev falls and Russia essentially takes over the nation of Ukraine and annexes it as Russian territory or whatever you want to call it, do we stop as long as he stops there? Do we wait for him to then go into Belarus or any other nations, any other Eastern European nations that cannot defend themselves? 
And then do we intervene? At what point? Do we have to wait till they get to Western Europe? At what point? Do we intervene when we see that other nations are following uh, and, and, and following along very closely what we are doing or not doing and then acting accordingly? Will China invade Taiwan in short order, knowing, hey, the Americans aren't stopping anybody from doing anything they want right now? Large, massive, communist superpowers are able to overtake and dominate weaker nations and claim as their own. Claim them as their own. They're not doing anything. At what point do we have to send the message that, no, we are doing something? And I'm not advocating for sending troops over there right now, by the way. I am asking, however, at what point do we do more than just sanction? I will say this also before I go back to the phones. I've said for a few months now that I hope to God, quite literally, and pray to God that we don't find ourselves in any wars anytime soon. I hope our diplomatic efforts to um, resolve any international conflicts are successful because if we have to go to war now, we will lose. I have been saying that for a very, very long time. Really, as long as we have seen Biden infiltrating our military with DIE, with diversity, inclusion, and equity, being more concerned with our military service members' pronouns and their comfort with what they're identified as than their preparedness for war, for battle. I firmly believe our military is is woke and weak. It's two things. Our military has become woke and weak, and not because of the men and women who are serving. This is not an attack on them. It's because of leadership. It's because of Lloyd Austin. It's because of Mark Milley, and most importantly, it's because of the new commander-in-chief who weakened it and woke it. Joseph R. Let's Go Brandon. BJ's in North Olmstead. BJ, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. I'm going to bring something up that's very uncomfortable. Currently, uh, they're trying to put, or have the Senate, the uh, WJC is trying to have the Senate confirm a Deborah Lipstadt, L-I-P-S-T-A-D-T. And the reason I bring this up, we have to look back to the 1930s, what happened in Europe and Germany to start World War II and stir things up. They are wanting to get her to be put in charge to wake up the American public and the world to the rising of anti-Semitism in Europe and in this country, and the WJC is the World Jewish Congress. You can look all this up. We forget that there's, the Muslims want to destroy Israel. Is that correct? Yes. If Iran had the bomb, they said the first thing they would do is nuclearize Israel. So that we tend to forget what is going on between people and religion and talk about the political heads that are BSing us with these wars and all this nonsense going on in our country about oil. There is a serious problem between the cultures of the people on this planet right now. And Europe is mostly Christian. Think about who started the Communist Party and who they were in Russia. Look them up and you will find out. The Europeans are, and the Muslims are trying to drive of the Jewish population out because they control the banking systems. So we don't pay attention to that stuff. We're paying attention to political crap. And if we don't wake up, we're warring between ourselves over religion. 
more than politics and we don't realize it, more than culture then we don't realize it. We humans are misbehaving between ourselves, and if we don't wake up to that, we're going to be in one disastrous way. So I hope we wake up to the reality that if we don't stop hating each other and who we are for what we believe in, we're in serious trouble. And I thank you for your time. Thank you, BJ. I appreciate the phone call. Um, I would would kind of summarize all of that, though, uh, and I say this without being flippant. uh, There's nothing new under the sun. Since literally the beginning of time, mankind has gone to war over their religions. Since the beginning of time, mankind has gone to war over their cultures. We want, we like our culture. We don't like yours. We want to spread ours. We want to crush yours. We like our God. We don't like yours. We're going to, we're going to, um, uh, gain favor with our God by crushing yours. Uh, this is not new. This is ongoing. I don't disagree that we have to be aware of it. I don't think we can ignore the political issues that are also driving us to war because of it. BJ, thank you. God bless. 10 o'clock. News time now. More of your calls. 216-901-0945. Coming up on Always Right. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.